Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for joining us. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're here every week to talk about your home. Whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for tips on seasonal maintenance or smart upgrades, this is the place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager, Westland Insurance, operating as Island Savings Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and our newest show partner, Shoreline Building Inspections, uh, principals Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. We'll be hearing more from them in a couple of weeks' time. These are all amazing local professionals. They're great resources. We'd love to hear from you. If you're looking for help in any of the areas that I mentioned there, mortgages, legal matters, house insurance, or building inspection, give them a call. They would be happy to talk with you. I've been selling real estate here for over 28 years, and I am your happy host here every week at The Whole Home Show. I've been, um, I'm a locally born and raised Victorian. I've helped a lot of people over the years with buying or selling their homes. Be happy to chat with you as well, too. So if you want to talk about your housing situation, just give us a call. You can find, by the way, the contact information, not only of myself, but of all of our show partners on the cfax1070.com website. Look under shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show, with me, Tony Joe. And we're all there. This week, our guests are Jeff Bray from the Victoria Downtown Business Association. We'll be learning about what's happening in the vibrant downtown core and also the growth in the number of residents downtown. Also in the studio today is our is our city councillor and actually a relative of mine, my cousin, Charlene Thornton-Joe. She'll be talking about... Victoria's Historic Chinatown, some of history of the downtown core, and also we'll be joining in conversation with Jeff uh, about that growth and what's happening in town. We normally start with a weekly listener question. If you have a question or a story to tell us about real estate, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or find us online, cfax1070.com. Listen, we've got so much information to cover today uh, that we're going to do this week's listener question next week. <laughs> I want to make sure that both of our guests today have a lot of time to talk about what's happening uh, in town. Uh, so I want to introduce first Jeff Bray. Jeff uh, is, uh, he's a long-standing uh, fixture in the community of Victoria here. Uh, going back to uh, 2001, Jeff was right. uh, elected MLA for Victoria Beacon Hill, right? Correct, correct. Uh, that's, man, that's a long time ago now. It seems like just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a long time ago, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, certainly been uh, very involved with downtown. Downtown was in my constituency. It's now Carol James's, but it was in my constituency. So uh, long-standing affiliation with uh, downtown and love for our downtown here. Yeah, and of course, uh, again, in, in that time, I mean, there's been so much changes even just in the past couple of years in town. Looking forward to having this chat with you. But now, we're here today because you are the CEO of the uh, Victoria Down, sorry, the Downtown Victoria Business uh, Association. Correct. Yeah, yes. yeah. so tell listeners about uh, what the DVB is. Sure, so we are uh, 1,500 members in the downtown core. We're funded through a special uh, property tax levy that all of the property owners and, and businesses pay. And what we really do is we help to promote downtown, market downtown. We put on events to add vibrancy and excitement to downtown. We work with our members on a variety of different issues. Uh, we do some advocacy on their behalf. We work very closely with the city on any number of projects, uh, both from a consultation process and advice process. 
Uh, and really, we, uh, we've uh, sort of become the sort of authority of all things downtown, and we provide sort of our uh, viewpoints and expertise on what makes great downtowns. And, you know, I have to say, Tony, that um, really uh, we have one of the best mid-sized downtowns in North America. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why we see such great tourism numbers and stuff is because when people come here, they go, oh, my gosh, look at the architecture, look at the, the natural beauty, look at all of this great retail, your food and beverage scene. Uh, and sometimes we take it for granted, I think. As, because we're as here. Victorians, but yeah. we're here. But, uh, you know, we really do have um, so many great things that are working in our favor and, and so many changes that have really added to that over the last sort of 10 to 15 years um, that, you know, now it's really a matter of just making little tweaks here and there to sort of really make this downtown economically sustainable, uh, but also the, the great uh, uh, diverse and inclusive uh, neighborhood that it is. For sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, we take it for granted. I mean, when we live in this town here and we exist in this town, uh, we forget about how walkable it is, uh, how, how really pleasant it is. I mean, all it takes is to go to some other... Like, I think about Calgary often. So we go to Calgary downtown, I'll go to there for a conference or business or whatever. It's a larger town, and it's okay, but, you know, it's kind of missing. It's missing something. Well, what we have here, and, and you've alluded to it, uh, Tony, with, with this now being a neighborhood, before it was tourists... And nine to five, yeah. And then at five fifteen, it was the tumbleweeds, you know, rolling down Douglas Street. I mean, that was sort of the, the scenario. And lots of downtowns were like that in the sixties and seventies. They're the sort of uh, sub- suburbanization of everywhere. What we're seeing now in in Victoria and lots of the great downtowns in North America is this reurbanization, this urban renaissance that people now are choosing a different type of lifestyle that you get in an urban core. They want to live close to where they work. They want to walk to uh, do their groceries. They want to walk uh, to the restaurant, walk to the pub, um, and maybe not have two cars, maybe not even have one car. Uh, And they want the energy and the excitement and the sort of something new happening every day sense that you don't necessarily get in the suburbs. And so we're seeing, with the growth of the tech sector here, a number of the people who are choosing to live downtown work in the tech sector. And they're um, they're looking for a different kind of quality of life. But we're also seeing a lot of the sort of uh, ex-suburbanites, you know, empty nesters who are still working, but now don't want to have a lawn, don't want to have a commute. Yeah. Uh, and they're choosing downtown uh, because of all the other things that it has to provide. And that energy is what's sustaining, you know, the great retail we have now uh, and the, the food and beverage scene. I mean, we're getting written up in the Washington Post, the New York Times I mean, people are looking at what they sort of refer to as sleepy old Victorian going, what's going on here? This is pretty cool. And we've seen this in bigger scales in places like Portland where, you know, the craft brew scene and and really great um, entrepreneurs moving in and creating that. And that's exactly what's happening in Victoria. It's our small business. It's our entrepreneurs bringing their energy, investing in downtown and really creating the downtown now for the region. Yeah, we don't need to go that far back, actually, because not that long ago, there was an issue with vacancies, uh, retail vacancies in the downtown core. That's correct. Five five years ago, I guess six years ago now, it was about 13% mm-hmm. uh, retail people vacancy. People always talked about that. It's like, what's with the four lease signs? How come people aren't, you know? And, and you know, part of that is, is you know, when everyone opens up the same type of business, as soon as you have any kind of economic downturn, they all depart. What we're seeing now is a much more healthier mix. When we did our DVBA first general report on downtown, um, we looked at how long people have been in business, and we have a wonderful mix now of, you know, our long-trusted brands that have been here for 20 years, you know, Dutch bakeries and others who've been here for 20-plus years. But a whole host of new businesses have been here three years, four years. 
Um, and so we, we've got that healthy mix. You know, we've got um, a bunch of different services that we didn't have five, six, seven years ago, servicing the people who stay here after five o'clock because this is their neighborhood. And that's what really is adding to that vibrancy is now mm. you're catering to tourists and you're catering to office workers and now you're catering to residences. And that's what's really the, the big change. So it doesn't take much for somebody, you know, maybe a past resident of Victoria who's been away for a while coming back now and then they all of a sudden notice that downtown is taller. Mm-hmm. because there's cranes up, there are buildings up. I can't remember what the number was. I remember some time ago looking. It was something like 3,000 new residents. I know there's uh, only 1,700 or something coming in. And this is yeah. that downtown core because everyone lived outside. Uh, I often think about the market on Yates Street because when that market came in, there was no other grocery store in the downtown core. Correct. So uh, this, is, this is a whole uh, – um, this is proof – that because there's more residents downtown, we need more amenities, right? Absolutely. And really what we're advocating for at the DVBA is, is, and we're going to be working with the city actually on a, a developing a retail strategy because now what we have to make sure we have is, uh, we, you know, downtowns, um, you know, really need to be both inclusive and diverse. So we, we can't have all just urban professionals. We need to have worker housing. We need to have uh, people who are retired. We need to have young people and really critical we need to have families living in downtown and so i know that the city is ensuring that uh, a lot of the new development has a certain number of three bedroom uh, apartments or condos because mm-hmm. that's what's going to be geared for your families but we need to make sure that we have childcare spaces downtown we Parks. have a pediatric dentist downtown yeah. uh, all of these things that families are going to be looking for to ensure that if they move downtown because they're close to work, that they don't still have to get in their car to drive for everything else. Oh, my goodness. Well, hold that thought, because we need to take a a quick break here. So much to talk about. Glad we went right into it. Uh, We're here with Jeff Braze, the CEO of the Downtown Victoria Business Association. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're here today talking about Victoria's vibrant downtown the downtown core having a conversation with the downtown victoria business association we'll be speaking in a moment with uh, city councillor charlene thornton joe as well too i forgot to mention uh, i want to announce to all of our listeners we're having another home buyer seminar it's happening on november the 16th saturday november the 16th from 11 o'clock to one o'clock uh, it is a free event and your hosts will be the partners here at the whole home show uh, denise webster Carrie Augustini, the team at the Sitka Law Group, and, of course, our newest sponsors, Shoreline Building Inspection. Uh, we are going to be talking about all the things you need to know about buying a home. You can find all the information. It will be posted on the Whole Home Shows page on the CFAX website, cfax1070.com. If you've got any questions, just reach out. Give us a call. We'll be happy to talk with you. Uh, before the break, we were having a chat with Jeff Bray about what's happening downtown, and, and we had talked about the emergence of all of these residential units that are happening in town and the requirement for amenities. Now, um, the DVBA has 1,500 members. The members are the businesses of uh, that's downtown Victoria, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. And so, and that's who, you know, that's who we sort of take our, our guidance from. And, you know, we have, you know, large, you know, members, you know, the Hudson's Bay is a member of ours, but all of those small, wonderful, locally owned uh, boutiques, uh, uh, small uh, food places are also our members. And that's really where we, we see the secret sauce of downtown is in those small locally owned businesses. Um, these are people who invest, you know, 
80 hours a week in their business. Uh, they don't have a mortgage at home because they don't have a home yeah. mortgage. They, their mortgage is their business. Uh, yeah. They do all of the hiring. Um, you know, all of us who've got, you know, school-aged kids, you know, high schoolers and college kids, their first job is often with one of those those retailers and one of those food and beverage places. So, you know, these are really members of our community. They're invested in our community. Uh, and, you know, I just... I'm, I never cease to be amazed at all the great energy and ideas and just how strongly connected our members are to the community. There isn't a business community and the community. There's only one community. Intertwined. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we think about places like uh, Yaletown in Vancouver where people, uh, they live, they work, they play, they shop, every, like their schools in the downtown core. People walk their kids to school. We're not quite there yet here. Um, wow, talk about a vibrant uh, uh, location, right? Well, and, and I think, you know, uh, what, what you know, the current council and previous councils can take credit for, I think, is, you know, managing the growth in Victoria in a way that we, we enhance all the great things that we have, like our architecture and Old Town and the Old Town uh, design guidelines to sort of preserve what everyone loves about Victoria, while also recognizing that we need to accept a certain amount of growth. And so, you know, we have Hudson One and other very large developments. We have a lot of rental being built, which is absolutely critical to downtown. Well, it's about time. Well, it's about time. Yeah. And, you know, that to me is what's really exciting is you made mention of the 1,750 units that are in, under construction right now. And, and you know, certainly the... the um, economics for the capital region and for Victoria are strong for really the next sort of 15, 20 years. And so I know that even beyond that, uh, within sort of the downtown area, there's a whole bunch of strong interest from uh, people investing in building even more um, uh, housing and more importantly, more rental housing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's really important for our members uh, to make sure that not only do they have customers that maybe walk and, and live close to where they go to work, but that their own staff have that option as well. And yeah. that's why rental is so important. And worker-built housing is really important because the person who serves you your Starbucks coffee needs to have an opportunity to live somewhere close to work as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about this uh, on other episodes as well, too. Of course, the difficulty if your staff or the people who, who work for you live elsewhere uh, then all of a sudden we have a transit uh, issue as well too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and you know we uh, um, one of the areas that we were advocating for and and we're very pleased with the Victoria Transit Commission was to try to add more late night bus service. And a lot of people, you know, their immediate thought was, well, of course, that's the way for people who to get home, you know, from from the late night uh, cab racing, and that's absolutely true. But our focus was actually the people who were still left behind in the cabaret or in the hotel sector who. Uh, it was very difficult for them if they're making $17, $18 an hour and then they've got a $60 cab ride because they live out in Colwood. Yeah, takes um, up three hours of their work. Yeah, and and so uh, by uh, BC Transit being able to provide that extra hour uh, makes a big difference for our members to to help them attract and retain uh, workers and obviously makes it a better deal for, for those folks that are working uh, in the kitchens and in housekeeping and in the cabarets that they actually get to keep some of their paycheck. Yeah. Um, I didn't prepare you for this question here, but what's the biggest struggle? What's the struggle that's happening right now downtown? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think um, probably for a lot of our members, what they've identified through the first annual report on downtown was was parking availability is something that they hear from their customers. 
Um, but what they suggested to us was it would have been easy for them to say, we'll just build more parking. I mean, that would have been an easy kind of throwaway answer. But what they've actually asked for is if people had more real-time parking availability info. In other words, as they're coming into downtown, they know which lots have space and they can just head straight for where that lot. Yeah. Where to go. Because uh, the frustration really is I drive around, I drive around, I get to the 8th Street and I find it's full. I, so we're working with the city uh, on, um, initially, there is already an app called the Connect Victoria app. Uh, the city park aides already collect that information. So we're working to see if we can pilot it by actually having it on your smartphone and then looking at signage options in the same way as if you're heading to the ferry, there's a sign that tells you, you know, Percentage what the weights full. are. Yeah. yeah. And and looking to do something similar sort of on sort of three or four of the main routes into downtown. Because um, that's something our members have identified. But I think for a lot of our customers and clients, the, they find parking. It's the amount of time they spend looking for it. If they know where the parking is and they can head straight there, it really improves their experience, um, experience mm-hmm. uh, and that will really enhance our members. And so that's that's probably the, the big uh, issue. Uh, the other one is, and we've had, you know, conversations um, about it. I've been on this radio station talking about some of the issues are, that are happening on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually now the uh, community co-chair for the Coalition and yes. Homelessness with, with the mayor. Yeah. Um, because, you know, solving uh, issues around homelessness isn't just a social policy, it's an economic policy as well. And so certainly our members are wanting to see some focus in that area uh, because it does have uh, an impact or potential impact on their business. You know, we don't have the problems that they have in Seattle and San Francisco and others, but we need to keep working and focus very hard on it to ensure that we continue to have a safe and welcoming downtown for everyone. You know, it's amazing because Seattle often says that they've done a really good job in this area. All it takes is to go down there and actually visit, and it hasn't changed to me. Well, and, and you know, I think that there are, there are challenges in certain areas of Seattle where basically encampments have, have sort of taken over. Yeah. And so for the businesses in those areas, of course, it, it has a real impact. We don't have that here. Um, and, you know, we have lots of services. You know, the, the thing with the Capital Regional now is we actually have, between the CRD, the province, and the federal government, we actually have the money now to provide enough housing to end chronic homelessness. We actually we have to get them built. We have to get them approved throughout the region. But what is critical is for some people, the supports they need mm-hmm. in order to make those housing placements successful aren't yet created. They're not out in the community. They're all still down downtown. And so as we build this housing, those supports need to be built around those housing so that those individuals can be successful. And, and that's something that we're certainly advocating with the uh, Minister for Mental Health and Addiction Services to make sure those wraparound services are funded. The province has done a great job on housing. So the last small piece to make it work and make it successful is those supports for, for a small group of people who need them. Yeah. Well, we're going to bring Charlene in uh, just after the next break here and talking about the Greater Victoria Coalition and homelessness. And congratulations, because I held that post uh, a number of 10 years ago now. Oh, there you yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> Big and, shoes to fill then, Tony. Yeah, well, so. And uh, Charlene, of course, has been there since the very beginning, um, involved with the uh, Greater Victoria Coalition and homelessness. Um, and I think it's important for people, listeners, to know that a lot of work is is putting it, is put into this. Well, like it's 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 a important uh, piece of what's happening in, in Victoria. Well, well, and, and, you know, I know that, you know, we focus on some of the visible things that we see, say, the 900-block Pandora. But I, I also think, you know, and, and it's certainly been one of the things that I've been 
sort of really wanting to see is there's actually been tremendous amount of success. We have housed in this region, uh, you know, hundreds. hundreds of people, including some of the most hard to house people who have so many barriers. So the successes are happening. Uh, and so, you know, that's to be celebrated, but also to recognize that the strategy is in place, the funding is in place, and, you know, every community has a role to play. And if we can get this housing built over the next 36 months, we literally can end chronic homelessness in this region. That'd be fantastic because, you know, our goal was to end it by 2018. Yes. And here we are now. Yeah. Anyways, uh, speaking with Jeff Bray, we need to take a, another quick break. When we come back, we'll be chatting with Charlene Thornton Joe back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners. Denise Wester, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. Carrie Augustini, insurance manager from Westland Insurance, operating as Island Savings Insurance. The Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills, and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. And our newest show partners, Shoreline Building Inspections with Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. If you're looking for help in any of these areas in your real estate sale or purchase, give them a call. They'd be happy to help you, and they'd love to talk with you. You can find their contact information on our page on the cfax1070.com website. Look under Shows. There you'll find us, the whole home show, with me, Tony Joe. And I had mentioned a little earlier, all of us, the show partners uh, here at the Whole Home Show, are having another home buyer event. It's a free seminar happening on Saturday, November the 16th from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock uh, down at the um, Chinese Community uh, Services Center on Herald Street. We'll have more information on our page on the website. It's going to be a great event. You'll learn so much. Come on down, tell anyone you know who needs some help that they need to attend as well, too. We're having a chat earlier with Jeff Bray from the Victoria Downtown Business Association. He's still in the room here because we're going to have a conversation uh, after our next break. Uh, but right now, we have with us City Councillor Charlene Thornton-Joe. Hey, Charlene. Good morning, Tony. Ah, cousin. cousin. We're related. Tony, yes. People yes. often wonder, is like, Charlene your sister? Is she, are you married? Are you, we're cousins. We go way back. We, we are cousins. Our fathers were our brothers and... Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, well, and I love listening to Jeff talk about Dutch bakery since, of course, our family loves Dutch bakery, oh, yeah. whether it was our grandmother. The mosaic bringing, cookies yeah, and all that. Yeah. And, now our, and then our parents got us hooked on Dutch bakery. So love to walk down memory lane listening to <laughs> Jeff speak. For sure. Well, hey, listen, before, we need to talk more about that. But for the rest of our listeners, everyone knows who Charlene is. But as a reminder, uh, you have been serving on city council since 2002. Yes. So this is this is fifth term, right? I, I think so. Oh, okay, it's <laughs> do the math. All right, but you've been around for a while. Yes. Um, you are currently uh, on these committees: Capital Cities Organization, University of Victoria Liaison, Victoria Civic Heritage Trust, Victoria Parks and Recreation Foundation, CRD Regional Housing Trust Fund Commission, Art in Public Places Committee, Honorary Citizen Committee. You know the list just keeps going on, and it goes without saying that you've been very active in our community here. Well, you know, I love this community, and as Jeff uh, said, you know, I love downtown, and um, so that's why many of the years that I've been on council, I've been council liaison to the downtown uh, in Harris Green. Um, as a born and raised Victoria girl, you know, I just, whether it's the restaurants, the vibrancy of the entertainment district, Chinatown, which is in the downtown, and it was really my love for, down, uh, for downtown that got me interested in, in being elected 
the first time, and of course since then I've learned the, of all the uh, other neighborhoods uh, that make uh, the city of Victoria so wonderful. Yeah, because even before you got on city council, you were busy. You were um, you were on the Intercultural Association of Greater Victoria. Uh, you ran things like the uh, 24-hour relay. Yes, um, yes. Uh, and this For is children with disabilities. Children with disabilities, yeah. And then uh, Jeff was talking about the Great Victoria Coalition and Homelessness. You were there from the very beginning. Yeah, I, at the time, uh, the mayor at the time said, Ellen Lowe, what yeah. things uh, do you think that we need to work on? And, and I said, the issue of homelessness is a, is a big issue that we need to start to tackle. And so he started the mayor's task force. And I was chair of the steering committee, and when that report came out, we said um, one of the things we needed was a coalition to end homelessness, and and so that coalition was formed, and I was one of the original directors. And since then, um, I'm no longer a director on that because we realized that uh, there was a percentage of homeless individuals that are indigenous, and we needed uh, uh, to look at how can we do culturally uh, sensitive housing and services uh, for that population because they represent about 30% of our homeless community, even though they, you know, as a total population, they it's only represent about four or five percent. Yeah. And so the uh, Aboriginal Coalition to End Homelessness started, and now I'm on a director uh, of that organization. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to talk with you specifically about uh, something that has, there's a lot of heritage and a lot of culture here in town because our Chinatown uh, is known for many things. Yeah, it's known for the oldest Chinatown in Canada. Um, you know, it, of course, we're, we're all familiar with the wonderful Fantan Alley. Um, we have a, a shop that many people may not know, the Loising Barbecue Shop. Uh, which uh, is a very, you know, we're celebrating, I think, a small business. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a very small business. I think they have two employees. Sometimes a daughter comes in to help out. Um, but it is the oldest Chinese business in North America. Continuous running. Continuously running. Because so, it's 130 years or something, yes, right? Yes, yes. So, and yeah. we know, of course, the, the family that originally started it. Uh, but there's so much rich history in our Chinese community. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so the, the, the interesting thing is, because, uh, you know, we're having this conversation about how there are so many more residents in the downtown core now. And uh, in the history of Chinatown, there was actually a sizable population yes. of um, Ch uh, China, Chinese community. Yeah. Right where Chinatown is. Yeah, absolutely. Our Chinese population uh, was high, but then, you know, there. Some people say their Chinatown was created because of the discrimination of the day, mm -hmm. uh, and very much so. Uh, the Chinese community in the earlier years uh, weren't welcome in other parts of the downtown, and uh, where the boundary actually was is where Market Square sits. Yeah. Uh, used to be the Johnson Street Ravine. And so it was sort of a vision that uh, the south side of the ravine was downtown Victoria and the north side, uh, what they considered the forbidden city of the Chinese community. Yeah. So part of it was discrimination at the time, but another part was the Chinese felt that they felt safer, they felt more comfortable being all together since they all spoke the same language, they all had the same struggles. Um, and so our Chinatown was created and you can usually find some uh, Chinatown in most, most North American cities. Uh, some have disappeared. I try to look for Chinatowns whenever I travel. Mm -hmm. And some no longer exist, but some are still very vibrant. And I know many times media will contact me and say, are you sad that uh, Chinatown you know, doesn't have many Chinese shops now? There's a lot of you know, different types of coffee shops, tea shops. Um, and does that uh, sadden you? And it, it doesn't because, one, it's still vibrant. You see people going down there. You see uh, the businesses thriving. But more importantly, you know, I think we know that uh, our parents who worked in Chinatown, you know, 
My, our, my father was born in Chinatown. Mm. Our parents uh, worked in Chinatown and lived in Chinatown. Their dream was that we wouldn't take over their jobs and worked, you know, seven days a week and have no pension and work 12 hours a day, um, that they hoped that they could put us through university and that we would be able to do other other jobs, and um, whether it's for the government, uh, whether it's, you know, some other um, occupation. Uh, that had a pension that had some more support. They want better for the kids. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's all that's the story of all immigrant families is they want it better. And so, you know, when I see Chinatown, you know, I know that families aren't continuing the business. But as new immigrants come, often they take over the businesses, and and that's great to see as well. Yeah. So basically, the retail face of Chinatown has changed, but mm-hmm. but in many ways, the cultural aspect is the same because the the organizations, the uh, Chinese. Um, Benevolent Association, all that they're still based in Chinatown. Yes, you know the Chinese Benevolent Association is a <clears throat> umbrella group for about thirty to thirty-five organizations in our Chinese community. Yeah, and those associations are still there, and they're usually upstairs. Sometimes uh, you can hear you don't them know play. they're there. Sometimes yeah. you can hear them play mahjong, um, yeah. um, and you, uh, and sometimes you can hear the Chinese opera coming out of. Uh, um, you can hear it coming through the windows, and so those associations are still there. And there are some people that live there, but what has sort of changed is where it used to be uh, Chinese immigrants living upstairs. Yeah. Now we have a lot of artists. Uh, we have, um, you know, revitalization of our Chinatown. So we have people uh, that want to live in our Chinatown. And I always remember many years ago, my husband and I wanted to um, move into Chinatown because I love the Chinese community so much. And I told my father, uh, we're thinking about buying a condominium. And my father looked at me in horror and said, we worked all our lives to get us out of Chinatown, <laughs> and you want to move back? And <laughs> and so at the time, uh, we didn't purchase. But I think in our plans, future plans, uh, when it comes to downsizing, yeah. uh, we'll probably have to consider buying a condo close to Chinatown. And and very much what uh, Jeff said, you know, some of the people moving down uh, to the downtown, some of them are, are people that are retiring, and they want to have the opportunity to close the doors, visit their children if, and grandchildren as they live in Toronto or some other parts of Canada, whether they want to do more vacationing. And so they've moved from the suburbs and uh, are now living downtown, and, and we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. Again, the Victoria is getting taller. And it's, 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 it's this whole conversation about the need for services and amenities uh, downtown and, and, you know, Victoria stepping yeah. up, stepping up. With and, and amenities I hear, I said, as the council liaison for the downtown residents, you know, they, they would love to see more uh, coffee shops and eateries are open uh, late at night. So when they go, leave the theater, they don't have to go to uh, a bar or a pub. They can just go to a coffee shop and have some, a great dessert. We're hearing that uh, there's more children now in the in the downtown core, so we need uh, child-friendly structures and parks. And we also have a lot of people that have dogs now. And mm-hmm. I know when I travel through New York, uh, you'd be walking along the harbor and you'd run into an enclosed dog park right in the middle of the city. And I think we start to need, we need some of those in the downtown. So well. much more. Well, listen, we need to take a uh, our last break for the day here. We're having a conversation with Charlene Thornton Joe talking about some of the history of Victoria. Also having a conversation with Jeff Bray from the Downtown Victoria Business Association. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking today about downtown, vibrant downtown. Uh, we had spoken earlier with the uh, executive director of the Downtown Victoria Business Association, Jeff Bray, uh, and also continuing our conversation right now with city councilor Charlene Thornton Joe. We're talking about um, uh, Chinatown, so our dads worked at Don Mee. Don Mee Restaurant. You had an event there the other night. Yes. 
uh, and reminded everyone that Martin there has been working there for 47 years. Yes. And I remember him as a child, when I was a child. With a bow tie yes, back then, yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, the, the restaurants, uh, the workers were our babysitters uh, because our parents would take us there. And, yeah. and the delivery car would take us home <laughs> so yeah. at the end of the night. And Dombey was known, I think, for one of the first restaurants to ever have uh, free delivery. Yeah. And they used to have a fleet of cars uh, that used to go everywhere. And when some of the pizza places started to open up and wanted to start free delivery, I remember they contacted my dad to find out uh, how to work it to make sure that the food arrived hot. And yeah. I think my father knew every all our friends by their street uh, name, not by, not by, by their name, yeah. but a long history in our It in was our the community. place to be. It yeah. was. It was. Yeah. And, you know, so you were talking about uh, opening late because both you and I were in the uh, food services uh, industry. And I remember, um, like, getting off work as a server. There's no word. There was Harold Street Cafe yes. in the old days, right? Yes. And then Paul's. Uh, yes, Paul's, not a lot of other mushroom, mushroom burger Paul's, yep. uh, Harold Street Cafe for their bread and great coffee and pastas, Beano's. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. There's one. Yeah. And and Romeo's used to open uh, quite late downtown in yep. those days too. Uh, you know, in the later in the later years. And yeah, I so, remember the old location on Johnson Street there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so what we've been talking about today is because obviously it's a real estate show. People are talking about housing and housing choices. Uh, you know, a reminder of what both of you have been talking about today is the fact that there's a lot of younger, uh, there's families coming into town. So our town's really changed because I think back even 15 years ago, the condos that we were building or selling were those wood four-story boxes that we saw, you know, in the outlining areas of town. Nobody built downtown towers. Regents Park at 1010 and 1020 View Street were unique, along with Pacific Monarch, which is uh, up from uh, our place there. Mm-hmm. There was no other uh, downtown um, condos. And boom, fast forward 15 years later, there's hundreds of people there. Right? Yeah, and, you know, I think um, I've been on council for all those 15 years and yeah. uh, approved many of them. And we recognize that, uh, you know, on Sundays downtown, late at night, as Jeff said, downtown was uh, was very quiet uh, because it was only the business hours and when the tours were around. And we wanted to revitalize our downtown. And what we needed is people that were in the downtown 24 hours a day. And so we made a conscious effort to to put residential, and I know you say tall buildings, but it's easier to build uh, with the, the land mass we have uh, yeah. to build up. And we do have some restrictions of how high you can go. Um, but it, it has allowed people to be able to move downtown, and we start to see some rental buildings being built. And, and, and you know, we're, we're still dealing with an affordability issue, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely uh, seeing a lot more residential. And now we're struggling to make sure that it's not only livable uh, and vibrant so we need both so mm-hmm. we want a vibrant downtown but we want it to be uh, livable when it comes to noise issues and other issues that uh, downtown uh, residents uh, you know experience and, and I think there's a couple of other things too Tony that uh, you know when I first uh, was working downtown back in the uh, 1990s oh my goodness um, <laughs> You know, some of the people I worked with lived in James Bay, but there was sort of this sense that uh, when someone would leave the office and cross Belleville Street, thou shalt not come back till the next morning. Uh-huh. So there was this kind of psychological barrier, and the and the old Blue Bridge was another one. You'd hear things like, oh, I'd like to, but that's on the other side of the bridge. And what we're seeing now with people living uh, throughout the downtown core, including James Bay, 
But this, there, there's, there's not that barrier anymore. And now with the new Johnson Street Bridge, I mean, the number of people who are riding their bikes over, who are walking over. Oh, the galloping goose. Yeah, like, it's oh. it's been tremendous. And so, you know, certainly for a lot of our businesses, especially as you get towards Store Street and Lower Johnson, are recognizing that some, you know, some of their customers are now uh, in Vic West, whereas before the bridge was replaced, you didn't look to that side of Vic West. So we're seeing that walkability and that, that sort of sense of, of uh, people willing to come a couple blocks into downtown that's also adding to the vibrancy as well. And so we have one of the most walkable downtowns uh, in North America when you look at various walkability ratings. Uh, and so that's really exciting because we have the climate. We can support our businesses and, and, and uh, enjoy an evening out, whether it's a Tuesday night or a, or a Saturday night. Um, and that wasn't what we saw 15 years ago. So it's a really exciting time, I think, for for downtown. Uh, and, you know, with smart planning and, and, and curating of our various retail options, uh, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And absolutely. And before downtown, you really stopped at, say, Yates or Johnson. And there has been a conscious, a conscious effort to bring uh, people more north. And so that whole Hudson district uh, mm-hmm. was an important revitalization, especially the heritage restoration of the Hudson Bay building. Uh, we saw the, uh, I think it's called the Mac and Mac shop, which was now uh, the Mountain Equipment Co-op mm-hmm. and the Vogue yeah. building. Yeah. Uh, so we are, we've got a great heritage program and we're seeing some of the heritage properties, whether it was a, a Morley Soda shop and, and uh, the Janion building. Uh, so we're, we're not only seeing uh, residential, but we're seeing uh, residential and, and many of our heritage uh, structures, which is which is great. Well, the Mech building is a fantastic example because it's it's the retail on the main floor and really nifty loft condos upstairs. Yes, and I remember that one clearly because uh, they, they wanted to come to Victoria and we needed to find some property uh, that would work. And at the time, uh, Stan Sipos was doing the Vogue building. And uh, was able to introduce them, and, and happily it worked out well, and it has really brought people mm-hmm. uh, more to the north end. Uh, uh, yeah, and we're continuing doing that with the Hudson, uh, the Radius, and, and other properties that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And of course, even Chinatown, we're, we're seeing many buildings oh, being yeah. built. We've got uh, not only the Janion, but we have the Union Building, and we've got a few others, uh, whether it's on Chatham Street and mm-hmm. uh, the one on, on Store Street that will be starting to be built. You know, shortly. It, it, just thinking about the Union Building, I mean, that was that vacant. Uh, Buckley's, uh, yes. uh, no, Buckerfields, Buckerfields, Buckerfields yes. uh, uh, lot for years. Yes, and uh, and before that, it was theater, the the Chinese theater. Yeah, and so that's why many people may not realize why it's called Theater Alley. Uh, was because many of the Chinese had did their Chinese opera uh, in that Chinese theater. Yeah. Uh, and so we, when it was built, we wanted to uh, bring back that uh, that memory and, and made sure that alley was uh, still there. You know, something I, I actually I should bring up, I almost forgot, is uh, one of the things that you started, which is uh, quite fun uh, for, uh, for our listeners here. There is a Chinese community uh, Facebook page where people are posting photos from the 30s and 40s and the old days about um, the community out there. You know, I think you and I had some discussions of the fact that, uh, especially our age, we forget some of the history of our Chinese community. Well, our parents didn't really talk much about it, too. Yeah, and I think we need to honor that because uh, it was those pioneers that gave us opportunities uh, that we we have today. You know, for example, the right to vote, uh, the right to be able to be a doctor, uh, you know, study law. Uh, In in the past times, uh, that wasn't the case. Um, Our parents weren't able to swim in the crystal pool. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
those are things. And that, it wasn't that long ago. That's right. And yeah. and so um, by we you know you and I started a Facebook page where we invite people to send uh, some of the pictures that they have of those old days, and um, it's really been great to connect uh, people who you know haven't seen each other for years and bring out those stories of who used to live where, who used to own what. You know, I heard the story of uh, uh, one of our um, women, Rose Lum, who was telling us the story that she was the first uh, Chinese teller at a bank. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and because Chinese weren't um, dealing with the banks and they wanted more, uh, you know, Chinese um, um people, you know, working or, or doing business at the bank. So they brought her in and she did so well. They gave her a $5 a month raise. Yeah. Uh, but after three months, uh, all the staff complained. And so they canceled the raise and they asked her to return the $15 that they had already given her. Um, but, you know, those are the people that started, um, the, are the first of everything, whether it's the first Chinese MP yeah. who was born in Victoria and named after Douglas Street. Um, so some of those stories, we don't want to lose it. And we have and, a rich Chinese community. Rose's husband, Ed, was the first Chinese mayor, mayor in on BC. Vancouver Island and the second in Canada. Well, amazing. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so this all happened in Victoria, and uh, we got to make sure that uh, those memories aren't lost. Yeah, and it's 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 somewhat a reminder about the importance of our new um, our new residents here in town. You know, I had Alan Lowe on the show here some time ago. And we were talking about the fact that his parents were immigrants, mm -hmm. and you know, look at the um, what he's left behind uh, in his time as the mayor. Yes. So you know, um, just the importance of having these new neighbors. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, what's going to happen in the city of Victoria for the both of you guys in the next few years here? What do we what do we have to look forward to? Well, I, uh, you know, from from the business perspective, I mean, I really feel that uh, just with, you know, the various economics in Vancouver Island, the CRD and then Victoria itself, that I actually think there's quite a bit of untapped economic potential in downtown. I actually think that we're still underbuilt. Uh, I know that uh, recently 280,000 square feet of new commercial Class A office space come on came on stream, and it's the fastest uptake since 1982 of that type of space. And I think that you know there's still room for more retail. Uh, we're you know we're at four percent retail vacancy rate, which is really nominal. I mean that's the normal turnover. Of, it was of like space. thirteen percent. Thirteen percent five right? six years ago. So, yeah. so and and we've added more space too. So that's that's a near record low retail vacancy while we're adding more retail. So, I think there's still untapped potential. I think what our our uh, opportunity is to make sure we curate it so that it meets the needs of people who live here and work here. Uh, and I think if we get that right balance, we will have a downtown whose economy really would be uh, able to survive on its own, notwithstanding the normal business cycles that we see. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very exciting time. And I really think uh, we will be able to say in a few years, we have the best uh, mid-sized downtown in North America. Well, I'm not going to argue with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and as Jeff says, uh, you know, with the residential means that these businesses can thrive throughout the year and not just during tourism season. Uh, so I think um, building up that residential, and, and I, uh, Jeff mentions the issue of homelessness, and we have seen the, the provincial and federal government investing more in housing, and we need to see uh, affordable and supportive housing not only throughout the city of Victoria, uh, but also throughout the region. And with that, that's when we're going to find uh, many of the solutions uh, that uh, has been a concern to um, well, all the capital, not only just the, the businesses in downtown. So, you know, I think we are seeing the residential. So adding those amenities like more parks and 
uh, more dog-friendly uh, places and kid-children-friendly places, and uh, late-night late places that um, maybe don't offer as much uh, alcohol, but coffee and desserts, um, I think, is what we're going to be seeing in the future. Well, you know, people know about Victoria. That's the reason why they come here, right? Uh, Double-edged sword. I mean, we've got so much interest in people who ultimately want to end up here. It has had an effect on affordability. I mean, you can't, you can't have a high-demand place and be inexpensive at the same time. So there's a balance there that needs to be figured out. Well, and as a realtor, you probably know that firsthand, uh, the issue of uh, affordability. And, you know, I know people, you probably yeah. see people all the time that want to move here. Yeah. And, uh, and that's sometimes affecting businesses if they can't hire the, the staff that they need, uh, whether it's in the service industry, whether it's doctors, uh, all those. Uh, you know, so important. To, yeah. Well, thank you both for coming uh, today. So much to talk about. Uh, so first of all, uh, Jeff Bray, Executive Director of the DVBA. It's DVBA. Uh, it's downtownvictoria.ca. Downtownvictoria.ca. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Charlene, of course, you can find her at uh, Victoria, uh, Victoria's website. Yes, or, or uh, see Thornton Joe at victoria.ca. Very good. Thank you both for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. For the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.